Bloody Elbow presents the Show Money Podcast, the podcast covering the business side of combat sports in depth and provides continuous reporting on the antitrust suits the UFC is battling. The crew features Paul Gift, the economist, Jason Cruz, the lawyer, and John S. Nash, Bloody Elbow's chief financial columnist. Pay Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your experts. Welcome to Show Money, the only show exclusively dedicated to the business of mixed martial arts. I'm Paul Giff, The Economist. With me, as always, we have Jason Cruz, our lawyer, and John Nash, the man who knows everyone and everything in MMA. And we'll put that to the test in just a second here. We're recording on Sunday, July 16th, and we basically got one topic today. That is the announcement uh, that Tyson Fury will be fighting Francis Ngannou in a boxing match October 28th in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. And when we last discussed this in May, at least my take was the PFL deal that Ngannou signed was great. He should probably, uh, since they are a startup, probably losing a lot of money, probably, we think. Uh, he should probably only count on one fight from that. Hopefully he gets more. But in terms of what you count on, it could probably be that. But if he could get a boxing match, that would already make what he did as a prize fighter financially worth it. And he did it. But let's go to John. Let's start with you. What are some of the financial deals about this bout that you can share with the world? Well, we don't we don't know the exact financial deals. We know that Ngannou, um, uh, Ali Abdelaziz, who um, is an associate, not he doesn't represent uh, Ngannou, but he has some dealings with him. You know, he, he advises him on occasionally because he's friends with he he manages as a friend of Ngannou Usman. He had leaked uh, that he, that Ngannou was asking for thirty million for a boxing match uh, beginning of the year after he became free agent. My understanding is he didn't get close to that. There were some sites that reported that he's going to get like eight million for this fight. That is, my understanding too is that's grossly way off. He's I don't think he's getting the thirty million. He's not getting eight million. He's getting eight figures. He's going to get well into eight figures apparently. And so you and supposedly he's going to make as much on this fight as he would under the UFC contract he had that they offered their last offer. Uh, which would put it in the ballpark if the UFC contract, what they offered them, uh, ran through without selling any pay-per-views, would have been like 18 million. So you got to imagine this fight's going to pay them like 20 million. It's Saudi Arabia, they've got they're throwing a ton of money in boxing matches. They're you can see how much they paid Joshua and Usyk and Joshua Ruiz before. So they are they're more than willing to pay a large sum of money for these events. And so uh, Ngannou is going to make a lot of money. It's interesting is. Uh, everybody's confused, like, you know, questioning what did PFL pay in Ganu? And there, there's a it's, there's a simple way to figure out what he's making, right? Uh, because when the UFC negotiates with the fighters, just them and the fighters, so the 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 number is pretty secretive. But in the case of Ngannou, after he left the UFC, there are so many people that know what was being asked because Ngannou was negotiating with Bellator, he was negotiating with PFL, negotiating with one. He was having other people handle the negotiations for him. He, so there, there are multiple parties involved. And a simple way that people could have checked what was being offered is ask all the individual parties and see the numbers, what, what was being asked, and then compare and see, oh, my God, all of them seem to line up, that they all are aware of what's being asked. 
And the fact that all seem to be exactly the same, the numbers basically, and what's being asked, which suggests that that's what he was asking for and that's what he got. And I think what really gave it away was when Chatri said that he was asking for 20 million and then later clarified for two fights. That sounds like what everybody else was saying that he was going to get around 10 million a fight with PF. That's what he was asking for. And that's what he got from PFL. So the simple, simple way to figure out what's being asked. Is that where you think you're at, right? Like, like if you were at, if your life depended on it, or what he's making in the PFL, is that what you would say right now? If my life depended, I'd say between eight to ten million, because that seemed to be the unit. We're talking about multiple, multiple, multiple parties said that it was eight to ten million. Uh, it started at eight. A lot of them thought maybe got up to ten million. So I would say, if my life depended on it, that's what I would say. And I'd also say that there is a pay-per-view potential pay-per-view upside on that as well. Wow. So he's looking at, if I heard you right, he's looking at what you, you think 18 to 20 million from this boxing match. Yeah. And then eight to 10 million for his PFL contract or however many fights that is. For, for each fight. And so let's yeah. say two fights minimum. Two fights minimum. Yeah. So if he gets, so somewhere 35 million, let's say an estimate, 35 million minimum. And I'll think about the PFL fight though. If he can get a big opponent, he has an upside on the pay per view sales. My understanding is the, uh, the the fight in Saudi Arabia is purely guaranteed, all guaranteed because it's Saudi money. There's no there's no real upside for the pay per view, but for the PFL fights, if it, it's a guarantee, but if, at a certain point he gets a piece of the revenue action, and so and he, he, the big winner in this in many ways is the PFL because they don't have to pay him; they get all the hype and press. But he also becomes possibly a bigger star because of the exposure in the boxing match. Maybe they luck out and get a good opponent and they get a successful pay-per-view put together next year with him, you know. And in that case, they have a, if they have a successful pay-per-view, not only does he get the eight to ten million guaranteed, if it's successful enough, he would get an upside and make more than that. Wow. Yeah, that is that is some great information from you, John. So Jason, when you hear all that, what do you think about Ngano and his oh, decision? He- you know, I think about winners and losers in this. I think the big winner, obviously, is Francis Ngannou. Uh, one, uh, he bet on himself, and he was able to come through with what he wanted. Uh, PFL, too, is also a big winner here, simply because, as John pointed out, they're not... Re- they there's, they uh, are reaping the ancillary benefits of this particular boxing match. You know, if it, if it, goes, if it goes well... They they have themselves a bona fide star, and uh, his, uh, his 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 star just uh, ascends. Uh, if he doesn't do well, it's okay. He he was it was a boxing match, not an MMA fight, but he's still a big star. So it's a win win for uh, for the PFL as well. Uh, you know, th- this is one of those things where it come it comes down to. Uh, is this a boxing sport or is this more boxing entertainment? And it kind of is. It, it it is in between because obviously the I forget which sanctioning body it was. WBO, WBC. WBC for this one. Yeah, they waived the right to actually have Fury uh, defend his his. I'm, exactly. I'm only finished. When you're done later, remind me. I got to go on a rant about this. It's a freaking okay. absurdity. Just a joke. But go. Yeah. go. I don't want to. Well, basically, the the sanctioning body just waived their right to uh, to Fury uh, defending the, the the belt, which basically means the big losers here are 
the boxers that have been waiting in line for the uh, heavyweight championship and the big payday, which Ngannou steps in front of to receive. And uh, maybe the sanctioning bodies, uh, although they probably got some step aside money or, or um, some uh, reap the benefits of, of this as well. Saudi Arabia also is a big winner here simply because they continue with their uh, uh, campaign of sporting with, uh, I don't, we could, you could go into what I'm trying to say here, but um, they, they, Saudi Arabia holds another sport and it makes, everybody makes a lot of big money off of it and we forget about what's going on. Uh, big losers, I don't think UFC is a big loser really. Um, I think, uh, was it, I forget what, what day it was, but um, the day that Nganu signed with the PFL, a big fight news dropped. Um, I think when the fight, this fight happened, he announced uh, Stipe and uh, John Jones. So maybe uh, each time the PFL or Francis Nganu announces something, the UFC will hold a bigger fight uh, just to try to uh, jump in front of the news. But there you go. Um, I, I think it'll be an interesting fight just from uh, how it will be built. The fight itself, probably not so exciting, but uh, there you go. You forgot about the big winner of the fans. Hello. We've all been dying to watch Fury and Ganu, haven't we? We're all winners uh, there. Sadly, the casuals probably have. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, the people that I know that barely follow it, just know the names. Ooh, they, they seem strangely intrigued by that. And it's like, oh, wow, okay. It, <laughs> I mean, if you, if you recall uh, the last title defense for Tyson Fury, he did bring uh, Francis into the ring, and it was very odd. No, no that was uh, that was the Dillian White title. Oh, he, Dillian he fought Derek Chisora, which, I mean, how could you forget against his, you know, another fight against Chisora? Yeah. Uh, the, another thing I wanted to also bring up is probably more of a worldwide-based uh, popularity, international, more than just the U.S., simply because Tyson Fury is more of the U.K.-based. Nganu does have French and African ties, so... Um, uh, there you go. I was going to go into an Izzy thing, but from the UFC 290, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. you know what we're all waiting for now, right? No, no. <laughs> we're waiting for this rant. Oh, that, oh, oh I'll get into that. Okay, well, let me get in the rant. First of all, let me say, uh, let's. I want to go through the winners and losers really quick, because I think there's some big winners. The big winner is obviously Francis. The big winner is obviously uh, MMA media sites because they need fights like this to draw traffic. You, you, this Stuff like this is what they live on. We get There's very little interest in the, the normal fights. You need big fights to get the traffic. So that's the big winners. The big losers is probably the boxing hardcore fans that have no interest in this. They're a massive loser in this. And I'm going to say, actually, Saudi Arabia is a loser, even though they don't know it, because sports washing, everybody makes a big deal about sports washing. I am... Firmly against sports watching, especially when they buy assets like the PGA Tour they get or, or teams. It's a little disturbing if Saudi Arabia have control of these. But I think there's no bigger waste of money than putting on fight, the boxing fights. You are not going to promote Saudi Arabia and draw business that people aren't going to look at a major boxing, one of the sleaziest sports in the world and go, oh, we got to start doing business or go. Uh, we got to go on to our next uh, vacation to Saudi Arabia. I really look forward to our vacation in Saudi Arabia, honey. I saw the fight there. We just It looks spectacular. No one, they're not going to draw any tourism dollars. There, there is no benefit to them. It's an absolute, it's like building that neon city they're building, just a colossal waste of money. 
And in many ways, so the fighters that are taking money from Saudi Arabia are doing a are doing a, a benefit to everybody that doesn't like Saudi Arabia because they're 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 taking away that money that that oil money and de- depleting it, so they have less of it. So they're it's a they are doing a, a favor to everybody that dislikes Saudi Arabia. So that's a big loser. Now my rant, the WBC. Oh, that that was my first rant. I have a second rant now. That was my sports watching rants. But my second rant is you got a double rant going on here. All right. I really. I have no problem with this fight in general because fight boxers, fighters should be allowed to fight whoever they want to make as much money as they want. That and that's kind of the nature of the business has been forever. But what I don't like is that the the sanctioning organizations' jobs, right? They're the only people in boxing who has a job to make it a sport, to guide it as a sport, to objectively rate boxers, to, to declare mandatories, to control, to have guidelines and and uh, requirements for their champions. To keep the sport to keep the sport moving along, <laughs> not the entertainment spectacle value, which the promoters and fighters can do on their own. To keep the sport, and it's the WBC that's completely given a waiver to Fury. Have not issued a mandatory. They they declared a mandatory fight requirement when it didn't happen. They never made a mandatory. So there's no mandatory that he has to fight to hold the title. They're allowing this fight to go forward. It's not going to be for the title. But even if he loses, let's say. Let's say he comes in 400 pounds and coked up and gets knocked out by Nganu, which is not out of the question with Fury. He could really come in 400 pounds and coked up. We've seen it in the past. But if he gets knocked out, he still gets to be the champion. There's not even the stipulation he gets to be stripped. The the fight, I would be much more favorable to this fight if Fury had, had defended the title against a noteworthy opponent earlier in the year, at the end of last year, and had another fight basically lined up after this. In other words, it was... Muhammad Ali, Ali did this against Anoki back in the 70s, but that was six or eight months after he fought, you know, Joe Frazier in the Thrill in Manila, and, and only two months before he fought Ken Norton, and he fought four other title, the three other title defenses that year. So he was an active champ. Fury here is just getting a pass. And that, that's my rant is the W the, the people to complain about the fact that it's that Fury's not engaging in his boxing responsibilities as a champ is the WBC sanction organization. And the W and you know, they're just going to make some bogus title belt for this to get some free publicity out of it. So there's my rant because, uh, you know, that's, that's the one group of people I think really have dropped the ball on this. Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm by no means plugged in to the boxing scene uh, remotely like other people, but when you do hang out with people in the officiating side of combat sports, man, the, the things you hear them say just about the behind the scenes of boxing and how sort of dysfunctional it is with these uh, 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 um, uh, 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 sanctioning organizations, like the, the, just the stories you hear that that what you were saying, your rant fits fits well into that, John. <laughs> That's all yeah, I can say. <laughs> so it's the one group of people I really. If you want problem with boxing, I put it almost all on those sanction organizations because see everybody else involved, it's prize fighting. They're there to make money. You can't get mad at promoters for making money. You can't get mad at fighters trying to make money. That's I mean, they're they're the ones getting punched in the face. Let them make as much as they humanly can. The only people whose actual description in their bylines, if you look at their websites and look at their mission purpose, they're the only people that have any purpose that the, their basic purpose is to keep it a sport, to be objective. So and they they don't they drop the ball they just fucking it's uh, they just there to collect sanctioning fees and then did you see when um Errol Spence had that rant about the sanctioning fees 
And then the sanctioning organizations all came back in defense and said, look how we spend it. And they had like one of them made, I think it was the WBC had a video, uh, no, WBO had a video showing like all the checks they're giving out. And I'm looking at the checks. All those checks are from 2013 you're showing. That does not make it sound like you're you're issuing the, san- the, the sanctioning fees. You're supporting a bunch of charities with that money. It would look better <laughs> if it was more recent checks to these kids. <laughs> Like, oh, we gave a 5,000 check to this orphanage and a 10,000. I'm like, every 2013, 2014, you have no more recent <laughs> distributions of money. So that's uh, that's again. John's like zooming in on his oh. iPad. <laughs> no, they, they're holding a giant. You don't have to zoom in. They're holding a giant check. Like, would you guys want to blur out the date so it wasn't so obviously pathetic? <laughs> that sounds about right. All right, so let's let let let's let's jump into this part of it then. If you guys have questions you want to throw out there, please do. Uh, but let's jump into this part of it. Uh, um, and Gonner just did this, right? He was able to make this move. He fought out his contract. Now I, I know where I already know where John's going with part of this, but we'll see we'll see what else he has. <laughs> the question is, can other fighters do this, right? Because uh, uh, some. Or my understanding is the standard contract, standard contract does not have that, uh, or still does have that, that, uh, that five-year window. And, and while some fighters are not on the standard contract, a fighter like, let's just say Pantoja, someone like him who just won the belt might, I don't, I don't know if we have any news that he, he re-upped his contract, but might still be on his standard contract. But, um, even if a fighter can get out the way that Ngannou did, you, and not just anyone can go. Like if Usman wanted to go fight Canelo, that uh, that's probably not going to happen. No one's going to care, right? You kind of need a special quality to do what Ngannou did, in addition to getting out of your of your contract. So, what do you guys think about the other fighters down the line here? Jason, let's start with you. No, nobody can. I mean, you you have to you like you 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 just said you have to have a special quality. You cannot be uh, uh, top ten middleweight. Uh, guy in the UFC uh, outside of someone with a special personality, say Colby Covington or or whatnot. But you can't be just even Pantoja, ch- uh, a champion, uh, could probably could not find these outside um, opportunities for themselves and expect a big payday like Francis Ngannou is getting. Obviously, Ngannou is a special deal because he is a heavyweight. He is, he does have his resume, UFC heavyweight champion. Uh, the bigger weight divisions tend to do, to do better in boxing. I mean, outside of the Pacquiao era and Floyd Mayweather era, there was there. Uh, it's hard to find a fighter, you know, that could actually put on a boxing show. I mean, uh, go out and box. Um, and I, I am including Conor McGregor there. Um, that uh, that there's a MMA fighter that can go out there and box and put on a decent uh, decent show without you know having the other uh, the other uh, boxer having to carry them through rounds. I mean, let's face it, Mayweather carried McGregor through all of that through the whole fight. Um, I, I don't ex- I don't know if Fury will have to do that for Ngannou. Uh, it, again, it depends on what kind of shape Fury is, how much he actually is taking seriously this fight. 
who knows? I mean, if again, if it's guaranteed money, who knows? All it is has to be is you got to put on uh, a, a, a somewhat of a show, and it's heavyweight. So you know they're not going to be uh, having uh, Hagler Hearns, you know, <laughs> round or of whatnot. But um, I again going back to your original question, it would have to be someone with some sort of personality that people want to want to see um, outside of the MMA sphere. So you, they want to know a little more about this person. They, they are interested with their backstory. They want to see them in another setting. So that, it would have to be someone of that that uh, quality for, uh, for that boxer to uh, succeed, or MMA fighter to succeed. And Ngannou at least has some, you know, viral knockouts. So it feels in the MMA sphere like he has punching power, striking ability, but we all know what's likely to happen in, in, the, yeah. in the boxing space, highly likely. But <laughs> you know, yeah. So like Usman uh, has a, has a good uh, a, a good uh, personality, but he's a wrestler. So what are you expecting him to do in the boxing ring against a boxer? You know, which you, you know, if you're not going to make it celebrity fights like the Zone has, I mean, you, you're going to have him against an actual boxer who does this for a living. You know, he, he's not going to do well. I mean, it, it's like if the boxer were to come in and say, hey, I want to, you know, that's probably not going to do go well for the boxer. Yeah, I mean, the Ghana's big selling, they're selling, he has the hardest punch in history. Guinness record of the hardest punch, no. I will say, I think Ngannou's odds are better than May McGregor's were against Mayweather, but that's the difference between a negative 10,000 underdog and a negative 30,000 underdog. It's like, well, it's still, your chances are really, 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 really slim. But I get more of a odds just because there's a chance Fury comes in grossly out of shape. And, yeah, under and coked out and, 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 and powdered nose and everything, and, and then gets caught by a punch. But then, still, it's a you're talking about a negative, like 10, negative 10,000 is what I would bet the line. I put the line at right there. So, uh, but uh, for the, uh, yeah, the, conveniently in a couple weeks i'll have an article out uh, about the jake paul versus nate diaz fight and we talk about a little bit i go into about the, the crossing over mma fighters crossing over to boxing and now that the jake paul experiment is kind of burned out versus mma right that the the idea that you can just be a regular mma fighter and go into a, a against a youtube influencer and get a couple million dollar payday like tyrone woodley did that's gone so all the other guys that have crossed over that make big money, Nate Diaz is going to make really good money on this fight versus Jake Paul, probably more than he's made in his UFC career. Ngannou is going to make more by far, multiples more in his UFC career. McGregor made more than his UFC career against you know uh, Mayweather. The guys making these big money, there's only a handful can do it because you notice it's it, it was created organically. The almost from the grassroots up, the interest was there. You felt the interest build up amongst mostly casual fans but there was some something that sparked the imagination where there was absolutely no no one was asking for as much as Usman was trying to make it a reality no one cared about watching Usman versus Canelo there were none and so only I could see Masvidal might have had a shot at doing this but he's locked in the contract so how many fighters are gonna be able to do this and go to boxing very few now how many fighters can do what Nganu did, and he was very smart. He talks about it in um, an interview with uh, Andre Hale and stuff that he had multiple attorneys look over his contract to go through it, and that's when they realized that it has this five-year limit, and that, that the way to read it, it's it's a five-year limit, so he could hold those guns and exit the UFC, 
how many other fighters are willing to do that? Well, first, most fighters are unwilling to hire lawyers to do that. Most fighters are unwilling to take that risk. But there's also the fact that the contracts have changed, so it's not quite as easy as Ngannou had it. But the problem is, for most fighters, is there's no boxing payday, so you have to depend on an MMA payday. And what opponent can you face uh, in the world of MMA where you can get a, you know, sure, Bellator and PFL could probably pay you a million, two million if you're a big star, but you can maybe make multiple millions in the UFC as a pay-per-view star. What opponent could you meet outside the UFC and get that pay-per-view money? And so that's where it gets harder. And I think the fighters that had an opportunity to do that, it's it's kind of passed by already. The UFC has locked those guys in right now. That Ngannou left, and I think there was a chance. John Jones and Ngannou outside the UFC could have made a fortune, and got, John Jones decided to sign, re-sign with the UFC. Uh, possibly could have gone outside the UFC and made money. My understanding, he's got a new contract with the UFC to fight Jones, and he's getting a pretty good deal. So he did get something, you know, to make him stay. But he's another guy that didn't do it. So... I, I I think that there's a there's the chance to do it, but the the number of fighters that were the best position to maybe take advantage of that has now dwindled to almost nothing. The opportunity is there, and I don't know going forward what fighter. Uh, I mean, one guy I think would be like an Aljamain Sterling. I think if he had if he had like a year left, would be a good one because my understanding he's kind of revealed what he makes. He's not making much as the champion now. I don't think he's a major draw. But he could probably position his his status as being the top 135 pound in the world in the UFC champ to get a lot more somewhere else. But I'm not sure how how close he is to, you know, the end of his contract. So I I don't see many fighters really in position to take advantage of it. There might be another Paulo Costa because he kind of took advantage of it. His contract came up, and from all accounts, he's got a great deal compared to most UFC fighters. Yeah, I I I mean. I I would have zero interest in seeing Sterling box. I'd actually be interested in watching oh, I, again. No, again, no, I, I, no, I said, no, I said no. not boxing. I said it has to be MMA. You have to go to a Bellator or you have to go like if he got out of his contract and went to Bellator to fight their guys just to get competition. Yeah. Just to get the comp, I could see the it wouldn't be pay per view, but I could see them because he revealed. Remember that he got four hundred thousand dollars a fight plus pay per view, and his fights sell at most two hundred fifty thousand buys. So that's a number that a Bellator could easily double, triple, and who knows quadruple compared to what they're paying other guys to say we have the number one 135-pounder former UFC champ or current UFC champ he's leaving now to fight our guys. I could see them making – a guy like that could could do better somewhere else in the market, but how many fights does he have left is the question. Can he even possibly do that? I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A, a, a guy like that could definitely use the extra competition, but also a guy like that is in his champion contract as opposed to right what Nganu was in before he left or what you know anyone else would be like like uh, just hypothetically, I'm just saying a Pantoja or someone like that. Um, so so yeah, it seems like we're pretty clear that the, the situation isn't as 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 a uh, as uh, available for the other fighters. Yeah. So you guys think, I mean, so that also going off what you said, John, the, the UFC in terms of how they feel about this, I'm sure they're not happy losing Nganu, but what do you think is going through their heads right now? I mean, <laughs> they lost their heavyweight champion, but they gained John Jones as heavyweight champion. 
I don't, I mean, I don't they, think they're worried about it too much. Yeah, I mean, they lost a massive fight between the two of them, which would have yes. been nice to keep ESPN happy. Because, I mean, you talk to people in the industry, everybody in the industry, other MMA guys, boxing guys, people that do the, the pay-per-view, other companies, they all think that's a massive million and a half selling pay-per-view. You know, just massive, you know, maybe more, maybe like two million, just a huge, especially I now. agree. That's a, you have a 30th anniversary. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a 30th or UFC 300. Yeah, that's a so that's a massive, massive pay per view that they're they're, they're missing out, and they, I'm sure they would have been happy. But they're, you know, I mean they 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 retinker their contracts to make them more a little more difficult for anybody to follow in Gano's path. Uh, they went out and signed a bunch of these guys to longer term deals to make sure. So I, I don't think they're that concerned. The one guy I have a question about is um is Conor McGregor, because technically, you know, based on what we know, he signed that deal and his contract should be up this fall. The five-year sunset because he signed to the the previous version, and if you're going to do that, the reason we assume they did it because the antitrust lost, you're not going to do it and say we're going to carve out certain fighters because then the whole thing gets thrown out. You you're not you're 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 the key assets are being prevented from going somewhere. So, but there seems to be no indication that he plans of exiting the UFC. So he's the one guy. I think there's an opening. He if he would leave, you'd have a big fight with him. Nate Diaz outside the UFC, but I get no sense that. Conor McGregor's thinking of leaving. So, but would he have signed a new deal uh, for um, uh, uh, to go along with Tough as well, or some sort of new deal? No, I don't Maybe think not a standard that, eight fight new deal. But in the, all the contracts, they include a Tough clause. If you sign on to Tough, Tough, this is what happens. So. Yeah. He mean maybe, but he but he hasn't signed on a fight deal. You wouldn't sign Tough and say I'm going to give you a contract extension. I mean, the, the Tough deal extends your contract four months, but that's I think it's. The sunset still overrides it. I think it's part of the same uh, section, right? So I, I, I don't. I mean, who? Yeah. I, have a, I mean, my one theory is maybe after the McGregor fight, you know, maybe they had a deal that they're going to give him equity if he hangs, if he finishes out his contract, and that's why he's so adamant about fighting out the deal. No, I agree with you. That was literally the first thing that went as you were saying all that is wouldn't surprise me if somehow, some way, he has some equity. That's why he doesn't want to leave. Yeah, well, uh, but I mean, also yeah, the thing I, is, like, I can't imagine. If his contract is supposed to be up, you know, any month now, why would they even put him in tough, right? There's got to be something th that has him there a little bit longer. I'm not going to put him in tough when his contract expires in September. Yeah, but he hasn't even signed to fight uh, right. Chandler. So it's, uh, I mean, the, the TV rating, they thought he'd bring some TV ratings. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, but again, there's just, there seems to be something that's keeping him around that he's adamant about fighting out his last couple of fights because he keeps asking, he wants to finish those fights as quick as possible. So the the only I'm just I'm just just get guesswork completely. They might have made a deal. You finish your contract, we'll give you this much amount to put in equity or as a bonus or whatever at the end of your deal. And he's like, Oh, I'm fighting. I gotta get through this deal to get that money. Wouldn't surprise me. I would have thought the man who knows everyone and everything would know that already, though. I'm a little disappointed here. Well, you're the guy that made up that bullshit title, so it's not my fault. <laughs> you know. hey, well, for people who have worked at companies that have equity, they know the, the golden handcuffs are real. <laughs> You've got that equity and you feel like you can't leave. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real uh, force out there in the world. <laughs> uh, so, okay. I, I'm going to keep asking questions unless you guys have some <laughs> that you want to throw out here. But uh, this is going kind of back to the boxing angle. But uh, the Fury and Usyk were negotiating for an April fight, and it kind of fell apart. Or at least it seems like it did. 
Do you guys think that this uh, Nganu fight would have happened even if Fury Usyk didn't fall apart? Because it was it, it's planned for like late April. And uh, you can still I'm, squeeze it in. I'm going to say my theory, and I want Jason to chime in if he thinks I'm right. I think, I honestly think Fury is ducking Usyk. Fury has said in the past when he fought Cunningham, who was a cruiserweight, how much trouble it gave him. The faster, you know, the smaller, faster guys gave him trouble. So he doesn't like smaller, faster opponents. He he has no mandatories. The WBC has no mandatories. Usyk has a whole string of mandatories. So every time they don't make the the Fury fight, he has another mandatory. Fury's staying away from Usyk long enough in the hopes that one of those mandatories knocks him off. And then he can fight one of those guys he feels much more comfortable against. That's my guess. The money's always going to be there from Saudi Arabia. They put it aside. They want the heavyweight fight. He is waiting out to see if Usyk can get upset because he's got a string of these goddamn mandatories he's got to go through. Am I crazy, Jason? No, you're not. I think that... I, I don't know if he's... I, I wouldn't use the word ducking, but I, I would say that he wanted the Nganu fight first simply because of a huge payday that was easier to train for. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, as John said, for a fighter like Usyk, who's actually a boxer, you know, he'd have to train. He'd actually have to train. And I think for the Ingana fight, there's, you know, you don't have to put in as much work as you'd have to do for an, an Usyk. So there you go. I, I, I do think that it, it would be a, uh, a great uh, a, 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 a great thing if, if Usyk were to get upset and Fury wouldn't have to face him. But yeah, I think that Ngannou was always going to become first for Usyk. It is crazy that... Go ahead, John. Oh, I was just... I No, you finish first, then I'll... No. Oh, no, I was just going to say, it is crazy when you hear Jason talk like, like, oh yeah, Francis Ngannou, you don't really have... I don't think you said that, but you don't really have to train for that. <laughs> like, people well, I mean, in the MMA you know what, like, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> You know, I mean, but if you, I mean, obviously, it, it, the diff. I mean, it's it's levels, right? It's differences between uh, MMA fighter turning into a boxer. With, a, I mean, I'm sure Fury has uh, trained and sparred with many a guy who's had a powerful punch, and so he he's he's used to that. But I mean, uh, a guy, you know, you don't meet the man until you actually you, you think you're the man until you meet the man, and you know. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that, but uh, <laughs> you, basically, uh, you uh, uh, Fury uh, would have to train harder because he would be fighting maybe the man. Uh, but with Ngannou, it he has a, a known commodity. They they know that uh, what Ngannou is. I mean, I don't think that he he can hide any boxing secrets behind what he's shown in MMA. So th that's kind of what I'm trying to say. A question for both of you guys. Um, now that Ngannou's made like I think Luke Thomas said this, Ngannou made it look easy the way this this free agency worked everybody said you know everybody said oh he he dropped the bag and the next thing you know he's got this deal with uh pfl that's kind of uh unheard of an mma now he's got a, the, the biggest boxing fight possible for an mma fighter since mcgregor so everything's got his way what do you think the general reaction from the mma world the media but also the fighters that they're, they're what do you think they're viewing what do you think their thoughts are seeing this unfold you want to start it off, Jason? Yeah, sure. I, I think that they're happy for Francis. I, I In the back of their minds, they wish that they could one day 
do the same where they could find a promotion or whatever, where they could find a lucrative boxing um, avenue to make more money. I mean, to be honest with you, if slap fighting was the way out to make millions and millions of dollars, people would be fucking lining up to do slap fighting. If you said to me, $10 million, we'll, 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 you go first and slap the head, put the ear thing in the whatever, people would be doing that. It, boxing is just the the avenue in which uh, MMA fighters think that that is the uh, secret to getting more, getting paid more. I mean, because it's prize fighting, folks. It's it's you make them you make money fighting. You're not going to be you should not be doing brand loyalty just, just and stay with an organization just because they're nice to you. You should be fighting. Uh, to make the most money you can, then get the fuck out of the sport before your brains turn to mush. I think that that's kind of what uh, certain the the MMA fighters should be thinking about. I think that uh, Engano provides a great story uh, footprint into uh, how to make it if you get to that particular spot. That's the problem is you got to get to the spot that Engano was. You can't just you can't just uh, think that you can do it by being on the prelims card. Um, he, you know, uh, Inganu had a certain, uh, you know, he was a powerful fighter, I mean, powerful boxer. He had some uh, some great knockouts, and then he made his way up to the top. And when he made his way up to the top, he made that decision. I think that that's the point for for MMA fighters is like, can you get to that part? Where you're, uh, where you're near a title or close to a title, where you can um, make moves, uh, kind of like in, in Ghana. Well, I guess the question I have too is, how many fighters do you think look at this or people in the business look at it? It's it's because it's boxing. He's making less money because he went into boxing, and and for me, it's like it shouldn't be just it's bo because it's bo boxing because MMA is set up almost exactly the same. You know, there there's no reason like if you look at uh, again, I'm gonna have an article coming up in a couple of weeks about Nate Diaz's fight. They're they're getting a piece. The two of them are getting the piece. They run and get the they get all the revenue from the gate, the ticket sales, basically. Those two. They get a piece, not a piece, but almost all of it, all the revenue from the sponsorships and stuff. That's their money. It's their fight, their money. There's all this money coming in that they get a piece of where in MMA, the way it's built up every promotion, not just UFC, is you get paid. And we, the promoter, get to keep all the revenue from all the different streams. And I just wonder how many people are looking at the Ghana situation thinking, oh, it's because it's boxing. I got to get into boxing instead of thinking, man, how do we make it so MMA that we get all the money coming in? Well, well so I'm not going, I wasn't going to go directly there. But one of the main things is you have to be at the level to be able to do that first. If you're, if you're even a boxer on the undercard or even... Right, a lower fight on the on the on the main card. You're not you're not getting a piece of the sponsorship revenue, I don't think. Um, but but yeah, yeah, no, obviously, think, yeah, obviously. But yeah, there's yeah. I think that MMA fighters first need to be listening to this show, and then if they did that and they heard from a reliable source, eight, 18 to twenty million for boxing and eight to ten million two fight minimum for PFL, and they got that information, that might change things a little bit because most people are hearing like you know if you look in the news you're still hearing like eight million for boxing and then there was that what was it the uh, uh jake paul just came out and said no it's 10 plus um and for pfl i'm not sure they know exactly what they make i'm sure they know they made a good amount but you can't do that like you got to build yourself up up first like ryan bader 
cannot leave Bellator and go do that, right? So at the same time, while I'm sure they would want that payday, what they, what they also are probably thinking is, I need to be UFC champ and then maybe I can parlay this into something else. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.